Hey yo, Jim, man, won't you, won't you kick some of that? You know, you, you know how you do it, man. It's a trip. People don't even believe we're together right now. But, but, but tell your story. You know the one I like. Say it for me. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. Into this house we're born. Into this world we're thrown. Like a dog without a bone and actor out alone. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brennan and Damo back in the show, and it is Monday. The 28th, the Wizards had two games this past week that we could, or since the last time that we talked, that we can talk about. They made a roster transaction and a lot of West Unsell Jr. stuff on the timeline that I feel like we got to get into, as well as the fan base still crying about literally every single player on the roster. But first off, how you doing, man? You doing good? Do, uh, I know you watched the, the, the fourth quarters of the last two games that we were in. How how did that how did it feel watching all that? Must have been great. Uh it was uh, I was I was on vacation the last five days and it, I was glad I didn't watch those. Like cause it's just the you know, the fourth quarter collapses, leads blown from, you know, bad lineups, matchups and just lack of offensive execution. It's just it's some of the same stuff we've been complaining about, you know, the last I don't know, four year, four plus years under Scott Brooks. And it's just like, it's almost like the, watching the same thing. Um, just with, just with different jerseys on the back, uh, just different names on the back of the jerseys and a different coach. Um, <clears throat> the Spurs game was really fun. I tell you, um, watching the whole thing. I was at work for that Spurs game and I kept getting irritated for those that did. right now. I, I um, work at a hotel until I start my job with Amazon back in Virginia. But where I'm at right now, I work at a hotel and I kept getting irritated when people kept coming up to the desk to ask for stuff. Cause I'm like, this game is crazy. Like just leave me alone and let me watch it. But I think this is kind of what we're looking for though. Right. And I know that we're not going to be big fans of how the team collapsed in Cleveland where it felt like they were in the driver's seat for, uh, most of that game and that but but it always had that vibe to me where it was like yeah we were in control but it's not like the lead was that big to where cleveland uh couldn't come back and then we had the the storm where they kind of made a push there and uh and that was that if they had a, a competent point guard that game they probably win that game by 15 to 20 easily but goodwin was terrible i don't think i saw him make a shot all night um, and then you have guys like Denny leaving Markin and open for wide open threes in the fourth quarter for whatever reason, because he was really the only one that could get going for three because no one else was shooting him or was making him. Uh, Kevin Love wasn't making him. Dean Wade wasn't making him. I think Osmond hit a couple, though. Uh, but really, Markin was really their only consistent threat from three. And then we have people wondering why Denny gets pulled out of the game. Well, leaving their only shooter open when it's time to lock down and play defense, you know, that'll do it. And I, I think it's a, another good time to have sort of a, a Denny conversation, just sort of an update. And look, I'm not a 
Jenny Hater, this doesn't make me off the bandwagon or anything. Everyone is entitled to a bad game, but with still not his offense still really isn't that great. And so you can't afford to take really any defensive possessions off. Um, what did you think about Denny in that Cavs game? Yeah, I mean, I saw he had zero points. I didn't really see any, you know, watching the fourth quarter of it. Uh, I didn't see any positive impact. You know, the only really thing I saw was him leaving Lori Marketing open for three. Um, so it was just like... You know, I just wonder with him, man, and it's been kind of my question with him pretty much since we've drafted him. It's just like, you know, here's a guy that was drafted on, you know, the the book on him when he was drafted was his offensive versatility, his playmaking, being like a six foot nine, do it all playmaker. And we get him and that's his offense is literally like the worst part of his game. That worries me. Um, The defense has been. Uh, a revelation but then when you you know pretty much the last couple of months his defense hasn't been as impactful and I think that's because teams adjust you don't see teams really like going at him like they used to before they're kind of scheming around him uh and then you know the refs are kind of calling some of those body fouls again on him so the defense is is not as impactful to kind of offset how bad his offense has been. And so then you're left with, like, what are you left with as as a player when his offense is literally statistically the worst on the team? And then defensively, he's not playing at like that, you know, throw up the X all NBA level that he was playing in October and November. What type of player are you left with? And then how how can you kind of build off of that this summer? And, and that's just, a, just a, I feel like it's a legitimate question to be asked. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, moving on to another young player who we kind of talked about before we started. So really quick, just to give kind of everyone an idea of how Maybe Wes views the young players on the roster right now when we're talking about Kispert, Denny, and Rui. Uh, Since February 10th, the trade deadline, Kispert actually leads between the three of them in minutes played at about 32. Understandable because Beal is out. They didn't really have a backup two guard to begin with, so it makes sense that Kispert would be getting a lot more minutes. I didn't expect him to be leading in minutes over Denny Abdia and Rui Hachimura, but Wes Unso Jr. has decided to keep starting him, which I would imagine just to have a shooter out there. Um, statistically speaking, since February 10th, Kispert has been the worst three-point shooter between the three of them. Um, I, think it, I think that they're operating under theories instead of results. And look, since February 10th, I mean, that's not like a, a big sample size of games, especially when you consider that we had the, the all-star break. We had guys trying to get acclimated. So guys getting used to new roles. I get it. But Rui Hachimura, who we think has the best baseline, I would say, 
as an impactful player in this league. Maybe you could argue Corey Kispert um, down the line just because he's not going to be a player that ever steps on anyone's toes, so he could probably start on a lot of teams. But Rui is only averaging 20 minutes a game, and I would be expecting him to get more than that with Beal and Porzingis in the lineup. So both of those guys are out. His only real competition on the wing right now is KCP, Kispert, and Denny. Like, that's it. So it's a mystery to me as to why this guy, who since February 10th has been shooting 71% from three, it's interesting to me how they're not trying to find him more minutes. And I think that there's a conflict between how Tommy views Rui and how we view Rui personally, because we're the ones that have been watching him the past couple of years. We know what he's capable of. I mean, I'm on the record saying I think that even on a competitive team, on this team, he could be a fringe 16 to 18 point per game score. I think that he has that in his game, especially now with his three-point shot. Seem, seemingly just automatic. So I don't know really how West views him, but they're not really running sets for him like Brooks would do. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the whole Rui situation and if you think maybe Wes views Rui in a different light than most people on Wizards Twitter. Yeah, it's, you know, that's kind of like a... <laughs> Rui, I feel like, is one of those those hot-button topics where, you know, everybody kind of wants to... has, has kind of ran to their corner and wants to be right about it. Um... I'll just say this in regards to him. Like, if if we were, you know, throwing all of the rookies in the, in the pot here and you just looked and, and, and just asked, okay, which of these the young guys have, have shown the most flashes of a, of a uh, starter, star-level player, I think the, the answer by, by a pretty wide margin is Rui. Um, and then you you look at the things he came into the league uh, doing and what the weaknesses were and how he's kind of addressed them year by year. You know, he came in, he struggled with his defensive awareness. He struggled with his three point shot. Right. And I feel like each year he's gotten incrementally better in that regard. And then just the, from the three point line, it's been almost unbelievable like he's shooting like you said since the deadline 70 percent from three uh on the season he's shooting 48 percent from three um and i think games played now he's almost up to 20 games so that's a pretty good sample size of shooting on top of the fact that he ended last year shooting close to 40 percent from three shot it well in the playoffs against the number one defensive team in the league in the sixers so at some point we got to say, okay, this guy can shoot. And, and in all the reports from Chase coming out of practice and watching him come back to workouts was that he was out shooting teammates. So if the coaches are seeing this, it's actually translating on the floor and has been over the last eight, nine plus months. Why isn't there, I don't understand why there isn't more uh, incentive to create more shot opportunities for him. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't get it. Like he's averaging <clears throat> since the, since the deadline, he's averaging eight 
shots a game. Ish Smith is averaging nine. Denny is averaging nine. Neto is averaging nine. Corey Kispert is averaging nine, and KCP is averaging twelve. Like he, I just I don't I don't understand that. Like it makes no sense, and that's why I asked a couple days ago. Like, is he still on a minutes restriction? Like, is there? Are they still kind of slow walking this? Is this some type of tanking thing? Like what? I don't understand it because it, it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's not really making a whole lot of sense to me either. Unless, again, they're still just trying to ease him back um, from not being with the team really uh, for most of the season. But let's move on to a more, well, I would say probably the most controversial topic on Wizards Twitter right now. Uh, the point guard conversation. And I see people complain all the time about Neto and and Ishmith. I mean, I, I was waiting. Like, everyone was, like, joking around, like, oh, yes, we got, we got Ishmith back, a real point guard. And then two days later, I see people crying about his size and him taking a contested mid-range shot. Like, it's just – it's wild to me, man. And it's it's frustrating – as a fan, and it's not that I'm trying to be like a Homer shill or whatever, but I think that you said it perfectly. I don't know if this was either on the timeline or in our group chat, but we got to start like looking at guys and analyzing guys in the context, or, or this was on the last podcast, I think, actually, in the context of their role and stop trying to compare them to John Wall or John Morant, Chris Paul, because then your expectation's never going to be met. The important thing to realize right now, we don't have a starting point guard. We haven't had a starting point guard on the roster all season. We didn't have a starting point guard on the roster last year. We haven't had a starting point guard since John Wall went down. I think that that's a pretty fair assessment to make. So can we stop treating guys like, just because they have to play a certain role for us doesn't mean that we have to hold them to this crazy high expectation. And look, I would understand if Neto and Ish were playing bad. Like, I would feel you on that. But objectively speaking, since the deadline, both of those two players have been good. Their numbers have been good. Are they a little small and undersized? Yes, but they have no other option. Well, now they have another option because they just signed Thomas Sadoransky, but then the fans are still bitching about that. So I don't understand what fans want us to do at the point guard position, but I feel like between the three of them, and really we know it's not about this year. Everyone's like, why are we signing a veteran player? Oh, we should be trying to take a, get a young point guard in here. Please tell me what young point guard that has unlimited potential is waiting to be signed right now. That that's six six, two hundred and ten pounds. Please tell me who that guy is right now. There isn't so, one available. <laughs> and it's like you need to try and like we talked about Delon right, and I and I even brought it myself on the last podcast or two uh, or two ago that we talked. I brought up Sadoransky as a name that like to to where you get some size at the point guard position. He's not going to step on anyone's toes. And you'll probably be cheaper if you want to put some money into the wing position or just to find some more depth in the offseason. And so for me, now that you brought in Sadoransky, you evaluate these three point guards. 
maybe see if any of them can be the cheap starter for you next year. Ideally, that would be Sadoransky because of the size and defense. And then between Ish and Neto as backups, I'm not complaining about that. But I wanted to get your take on the point guard thing now, especially since we signed Sadoransky and people still aren't happy. I mean, looking at, I mean, field goal percentages here, people act like Neto and Ish are bricks. They're both, they're both shooting over 50% from the field since February 10th. Like, I'm not, I'm not making this up. Neto has gone back to being a 39-40% three-point shooter. Ish Smith is making a lot of tough threes for us in tough situations at the end of shot clocks when he gets the, he gets the ball with two seconds left. Like, I, I don't know what's going to please this fan base with these guys. Yeah, I, I think... I think a lot of it is, like you say, they're looking at it like, okay, we had John Wall, you know, we had Russell Westbrook, and now we have this, you know, and it filled with Dinwiddie. Now we, now we got Neto and Ish, and they just, they just look at it as just like it's just, it's not good enough. And I can understand that sentiment, right? Because they're they're not starters. Dinwiddie wasn't even a starter, but but I look at players, I try to evaluate players based on what their role is. And what it should be. <laughs> and if those two things aren't aligned, then it's hard for me to just kill a guy because it's like, well, you're not a starting point guard. You know, I don't expect you to thrive going up against Ja Morant, Chris Paul and Steph Curry just about every other night. Like, but can Neto be a quality player if he's brought off the bench as a combo guard? playing next to another big point guard with some size like a Sadoransky? Sure he could, because we saw it. We saw it last year, right? Like he was a Swiss Army knife, kind of playing a bunch of different roles, playing at a high level. And it, I don't think it's a coincidence that once we traded out a lot of the, 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 the dead weight here, all of a sudden he found his shot again. Um, And it's the same thing with Ish, like, if you're expecting Ish to be Chris Paul, like, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. But Ish, as a guy playing backup point guard, possibly even third guard role, where he's a guy that just comes in, sparks, pushes pace, gets you in your offense early, that's a role he can thrive in. Because, again, we've seen him do it here. So, like, I'm just kind of like – and then adding Sadoransky – it does not preclude you from getting a young point guard in this upcoming draft. And then and then the funniest, most ridiculous thing I've I've seen is that somehow Sato is gonna somehow stop Denny from developing as a playmaker and <laughs> ball handler. Like that's just ludicrous. And if that happens, you know whose fault that is? That's Denny's. Denny's. <laughs> like, I'm just like, that is not. If you're talking about, uh, I mean, Sato was what, like the 11th, 12th man on on the Pelicans bench who's not even a playoff team right now. You're telling me that guy is going to come in here and is going to take minutes in a role away from a top 10 pick? Like, come on, man. If that happens, you took the wrong player. That would literally be like complaining that, uh, you know, we had signed Anthony Gill that that was going to preclude the Wizards from from developing Rui. Like, come on, man. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't you make know, any I, sense, man. I have this crazy idea that 
you try to get as many good players as you can, and you try to get guys that are going to fit with your vision going forward. Like people are still under this impression that like we're tanking and that we're building around this young team. Like, no, guys, next year it's fucking go time. It's going to be Wes's second year. We got Beal and KP coming back from injury. Kyle Kuzma's been playing at an all-star level for quite some time now. It's fucking go time. Next year is not about developing at all. What they're trying to do right now. Go ahead. I I know fans don't want to hear this, right? And we didn't beat this this dead horse like 100 million times. They are not building around Denny and Rui. They're not doing it. They could have been did that. That shit Stop asking about it. Right. Like they're not they're not shipping off Beal, Kuzma, and 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 you know, all of their veterans so that Denny and Rui and Kispert can shoot 20 times a game, you know, <laughs> taking turns. Like, they're not doing it, right? I, I know people wanna that's what some people want to see. It's not gonna happen. Go they are for putting, the thunder. Right. They are putting a team together to see which guys are going to be here over the next two, three years that fit best around Beal, Chris Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma. That's what they're doing. And we just got – that's the way you need to evaluate this team and the pieces on it because any other way is just a waste of time. Like you're wasting your breath complaining about it because it's not going to change. And it's like – Again, like they could have brought in a young point guard, but tell me who that young point guard is right now. Again, there isn't one. So again, and we have both said this now countless times, what they're trying to do, and it's not even like there's this win-now agenda for this year. That, that's out the window. There's no way you can objectively hold this team to a standard of competing when your two best players are not on the court. And even when Porzingis comes back, you still don't have Beal. So... Even if, like, they're not trying to win. What they're trying to do is see who can be here, find some cheap options so that you can use money to address other things. Because what's the number one thing that we haven't had since Wall got injured? We haven't had a point guard. But I think that we're starting to see that we don't need to spend all this money or trade all these assets away to get a guy because of the playmaking abilities, number one, that Kyle Kuzma has shown that he has. Point Beal, which is a real thing in terms of him starting at the top and attacking downhill. And now you have Porzingis. You don't need a a high-usage, expensive point guard. So if you can get a guy in Sato who is 6'7", he's switchable on defense, which is very, very important today. And, I mean, he's not the best shooter in the world, but he gives you some size defense. You know, if you can add that guy as your starting point guard, for three to four million in the context of having Kuzma, Beal, and Porzingis along that starting five, I might be okay with that. Now I need to see how Sato plays for the rest of the season, and I want to see what the options are in the offseason. But if you get him in now and at least see how he plays next to Kuzma and hopefully eventually Porzingis, and he's already played with Beal before. I mean, people have already pointed out that Beal has played really well next to Sadoransky before. And it's because Sadoransky doesn't step on anyone's toes. So I like the idea of bringing him in, seeing what he can do, let him compete. And who knows, maybe that's your cheap starter for next year. And then that's one less thing you got to worry about. And then you have Ishin Neto as your backups, which, again, I'm not complaining about. 
because Isha still feels one of the best backup point guards in the game. You can complain about his size. You can complain about some of his wild layups, whatever. He does a lot of incredible stuff on the basketball court that not a lot of point guards in this game that are left do. And Neto, Neto, Neto is still fine to me. Like, I, I, again, I don't get Neto hate. Like, again, he was really bad earlier on in the year. But since February 10th, he's been objectively one of our best and most consistent players. And again, so, it's not guaranteed contractually he's back next year. So, yeah. you know, he's not under contract next year. You're going to have to resign him. If Smith is under contract next year. Um, and again, none of these guys stop you from drafting a young point guard. No, they don't. No. Like, they don't, they don't stop you from <clears> doing that. Like, and I just feel like, I feel like fans are just kind of stuck with, and, and shout out to Oz on this, because he even opened my eyes to this. Like, the two high-volume point guard movie we didn't seen that before like we're trying to build a team tommy's trying to build a team where the parts fit it's not about putting you know as many all-stars on the roster as you can you know like like i'm sure fans would love if we got like Dejounte murray right but in the context of team fit like you don't need that next to a Bradley Beal that's going to be shooting 18, 19 times a game. A game. And, and Kuzma, because then Kuzma, Kuzma goes back up to being a spot shooter, which is not and, what and, yeah, he's good Yeah, and, and Chris Stapps, who's going to want his shots. Like, this is not NBA 2K. You have to build a roster of guys that fit. You know, like, the same way, like, the Warriors go out and they go and add an Otto Porter and a Gary Payton II. Like, they go and add these ancillary pieces who, in a vacuum, you say, oh, they're just rotation players but on that team they fit perfectly that's where tommy is trying to to really really address this roster and you're not going to see the fruits of that this year because you don't have the full roster healthy and it's like the the, again the, the biggest reason for this for me to not get a point guard that has a high usage that will cost a lot is because of the play of Kuzma, because we've seen that now he's a legit third option. He legit can pass the ball. He's an unselfish guy, but also can step up when need be. I mean, look at the Suns, for example. Like, yeah, they have the, the Chris Paul-Devin Booker combo, but Mikal Bridges and um, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, those guys aren't playmakers. They're spot shooters. So, th- again, it's not about adding talent all the time. With this team and with a lot of teams, I mean, look what happened with the Nets. It didn't work out. They didn't have pieces that fit. They moved on from Harden. Now Harden, of course, is lighting it up in Philadelphia. It's it's not about talent all the time now because you have to deal with the ever-growing egos in this league, and coaches have to deal with it. And at the end of the day, I mean, if you already are good on the offensive end with B.O.K.P. Kuzma, Ideally, you want to try and find some guys that are low usage and can play some defense. And make threes. That's and it. Make threes. <laughs> that's really it, man. Um, and, and that's why I say, like, with the young guys, one of them, or, or, or they're going to have to show that they can do one or two of those things as far as defending and making threes. Right now, that's um, really. Exactly. Um, and so the other two is kind of like, okay, well, Kispert, you assume he's going to be able to make threes. 
um, and play solid enough team defense, I think Denny is still a question mark because I just I don't see a scenario on this team where Denny gets to have the ball as a primary decision maker for majority of the game. I don't see that scenario existing here with Bradley Beal, KP, and Kuzma on the roster. I just don't see it. So where is he going to be valuable? As a stopper? Like throwing up the X like he was doing earlier, making his layups, and making catch-and-shoot threes. Right. And if, right. He, and if he's not going to be able to do that, then what do you have? One of because you got to think about the guys next year who are going to have the ball. It's going to, uh, at least in terms of ball handling, playmaking duties. It's going to be Beal, Kuzma, Ish Smith, and then I'm sure a sprinkle of Neto, Sadoransky, Denny. Like I'm, I'm sure next year, I'm, I'm sure they're going to bring back Sadoransky next year. I'm actually interested in seeing if uh, the deal for Sado, if, if Tommy tries and puts a team option in there for next season. I'm not sure if you can do that at this point in the season, but I'd be curious to see if, if he tries and, and does that. But the point I'm trying to make is, out of Beal and Kuzma and Denny and Ish, I mean, Denny comes in last in terms of who I want initiating offense and trying to create for others, and people are going to get irritated at that. But I trust Ish Smith a fuck ton more than I trust Denny right now. And it's not because I don't think Denny potentially has the ability to do so, but the key word there is potentially. And next year, I don't give a shit about potentially. I give a shit about can you do it or can you not? So I get trying to evaluate him now, but again, who's stopping him from going out there and doing it now? Kuzma? Well, Kuzma's the best player on the team right now. He can do whatever the hell he wants, and quite frankly, he's earned that right. Neto and Ish are veterans that, quite frankly, again, I just trust more. So I don't, I don't understand. Like, and again, this isn't, we don't say all this to say that Denny is shit, the worst player ever, can't do these things. But if he can do these things, he needs to go out there and show it instead of us sitting here trying to defend Ish and Neto for just going out there and playing their games. Why can't he do that? Who's stopping him from doing that right now? I'll just say this. It's a, it's a reason that Kyle Kuzma literally every practice works out with Denny on his floor game, one-on-one game, dribble drive game. It's a reason for that. Like, I know <laughs> you know, people want to believe that Denny is like, you know, Josh Giddy. Or, you know, some Luca light type player as a ball handler. He's not that. His ball handling like, is not very good. Even his, with his right hand, it is not very good. He's not that, guys. He's not that. Like, if he was that, I promise you they would have been playing him in that role by now. Because they need it. <laughs> like, right. They need it. That's exactly what they need. Like, you, you like, He's not that, and, and he has time to develop it. He didn't get a chance this summer to really hone, work on his skill, his craft, because he was rehabbing. He'll have this summer to do that, and maybe next year he comes back with a bag, a left-hand bag, a right-hand bag, and he got a whole jelly layup package. I would love nothing more than to see that. 
But right now, he does not have it. And so he's got to find ways to contribute as a spot-up, catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter, and defensively. Um, that's just where he's going to have to play right now. And especially for next season. Again, because he's not going to have the, the opportunities that he ideally has now, he will not have next year. So the fact that he's not showing it now, what makes you think that he's going to be in position to do that next year? So, again, work on your catch-and-shoot threes. Work on moving off the ball and get back to just playing defense and just because he can still be the, the best defensive player on the team next year, and that's how you can get your minutes. But I want to see know. Danny Melton on people, man. He's too damn big. That's what I want to see. I want to see him play an inside-out game. I want to see him dunk on some guys. I want to see him get a guy on the post, turn, right, right shoulder hook, left shoulder floater. Like, I want to see that. And then we can talk about Denny being a point guard and all of that uh, and being, you know, uh, you know, running the offense through him. Like, I want to see him dunk on a couple people and finish around the rim like a six foot nine NBA player. Can we start with the basics first? <laughs> Again, like on, on the list of who you would trust more in main ball handling duties in a, in a clutch situation, where would you rank them? Ish, Neto, Sadoransky, and Denny. I would probably go I'd probably go Ish, Sato, Neto, and Denny. That's probably what I'd do. Yeah, as a as a as a ball handler playmaker, like, yeah. Yeah. Right. So I mean again. I just give them the ball and I just say, you know, do something productive with it. Yeah. It would be in that order. Right. So it's it's and it's nothing personal against Denny. Denny does a lot of things well. He has the size. So th- this isn't a, a pro-Denny-hate sort of deal. It's just what, with some of these young players, we, we got to pump the brakes because we, we see these glimpses and flashes, and we think that they can do that full-time. And it's like, guys, every young player around the league has these moments, I promise you, even the ones that we never hear about. I'm sure they have the occasional game where – they have 13 to 15 points, have three threes, have a nice highlight dunk and a key defensive stop. Like this is, It's not unheard of that guys have those games, even though generally speaking they're unproductive. And I'm not saying that Denny is unproductive. You got, but you got undrafted G League guys that get caught up to have productive days. They're NBA players. That doesn't mean right. they're going to be a future all-star. Like right. you, have, you, you become an all-star by being consistent, by having a consistent body of work. Like, and when defenses adjust to you, you have a counter to go to. Like, that's how you become an all-star. Like, and he's got to put the work in. Like, it's just as simple as that, man. Like, it's no, it's no hate on Denny. Don't nobody know that man personally. I'm sure he's a great kid and he works hard. But he's got to get better. And it's no crime in saying that. As do, as do Vrui, as do Kispert, as do Gafford. They got to get better. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's nothing to do with him. It's just, you know, like you said, you just, you, you got to get better. And, uh, cause I, right now for Denny, I would be more like people talk about all-star. This guy's got to figure out a way to prove that he belongs in a nine man rotation on an NBA roster right now. Um, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, 
it's like we jumping too many steps too quick. Like, like I'm told all the time he's only 21, right? Okay, well let's act like it then. Let's not throw let's not throw the all star comparisons on him. Let's not compare him to Hall of Famers. Let's stop throwing out Giannis' first two seasons and and and. <laughs> Draymond Green's first two seasons and oh it took Jimmy Butler this many seasons to become a, like stop that shit please stop like I am begging y'all please stop doing that that's not fair to Denny and that's not fair to the fan base who are going to put those expectations on on a 21 year old kid it's, this is the cycle of young players with Wizards Twitter you get them they have a nice couple games you compare them to Hall of Famers, five years down the line, they don't get to that level, and then they're the most hated person on the roster. That's pretty much how it goes. Or Brown Jr. <laughs> like, who's comparing him to Andre Iguodala, Tyreek Evans? Who else was we comparing him to? Um, I don't know. I mean, he was, I mean he, was, he was the darling wizard until he wasn't. Yeah, so, I guess like, like it's fun to try and grasp onto new things and like look at potential and things like that. Like I get it; it's fun. It's change. Change is cool. Um, you like to look at the young players, especially since we haven't really had those types of guys here that develop here. I mean, the only ones that really did that. I mean, you could argue argue Otto Porter, but really the only two guys that did that were Wall and Beal. Uh, Kelly Oubre. I mean, I'm just not an Oubre guy. So I can't speak on that. Otto did get better, yes, but Otto was never even an all-star level player. So really the only players that had developed here that have gone on to do something meaningful in their career in terms of all-star appearances, all-NBA stuff, I mean, those are the only two guys. So I get wanting to hold on to the young players and think that we have something to build with, but that's... We're not doing that. That's not the direction that this team is going in. I promise you, if there was a reasonable 3 and D player that we could have this offseason for cheap and put in the rotation over Denny, if Denny does not end the season shooting well, Tommy's going to do that. Because next year, when you have all the guys back healthy, ideally, it's about winning. It no longer becomes about making sure Denny and Rui and Kispert get their minutes per game markup it's not about that if you're playing like shit you're gonna get pulled and guys that are gonna be shooting well and playing defense are are gonna be in the ball game and doing things that complement Beal um Kuzma and Porzingis so everything else after that is irrelevant right now and that's just it's gonna be secondary it it, is you know it's 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 tough yeah it's not gonna be no more oh well, we, you can't shoot, so we're going to sacrifice wins so we can develop your uh, on-ball ability because you can't shoot. Like, they're not going to do that. They're trying to win games, man. Like, you're going to have to be able to knock down some threes, some catch-and-shoot threes. You're going to have to attack closeouts and finish at the rim, dunk on some people. You're going to have to play defense and not leave three-point shooters wide open. And if you don't do that, you're going to be on the bench. Yeah, and, and I know people can look at it and say, well, Bill Kuzma and Porzingis isn't winning us anything. You know what, guys? Maybe not. But this is the best shot that we have. So Tommy and Wes, they're going to make sure that they see that through. And I promise you, they're not going to see that through by trying to find potential in guys next season. They're, they're going to go with what they know they have. 
And again, it's about fit and who complements our big three light, if that's what you want to call it. <sighs> I wish people it's, it's would just really understand this. I, I want people to watch other teams' young players too, because it seems like we only watch ours. Like watch other teams' young players and see how they contribute to games. Like it usually comes down to those things: your ability to shoot the three, your ability to get to the rim or get fouled and make free throws, and then your defense. Like if you look at all of the top, like first and second year guys that are productive members of, of their teams, I promise you they're doing either all three of those. Or they're doing at least one or two of them. Like, like if you can't do media. none of them, <laughs> then why are you being expected to play? Right. Um, all right, moving on. Let's look at the – we'll kind of make this a segment each time we talk now. We'll kind of just look at the, the Eastern Conference and where the Wizards kind of stand in that mess right now. So, again, I've stated countless times, even if we decided to tank, I don't see how we get much lower than where we are now. So. Um, but for shits and giggles, if we want to look at it. So right now in the league, we are 20th. Um, the next lowest person or next lowest team is New Orleans, who is two and a half games back. Then you have the Knicks. Blazers also two and a half back. You have the Spurs at three and a half. So, I mean, again, if we're going to tank and we're looking at some of these other teams, I mean, the the Pelicans might get above us. I don't see the Knicks or Blazers doing that. Blazers through their season. The Knicks just suck. Um, The Spurs are really trying to win. They're trying to go for it. And and you have to. I mean, well, I mean, I know they don't have Zion right now, but you just traded for McCollum. You got Valanchunas playing well. You got Graham playing well. You got Herb Jones out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, go go try and win. Like this is this is what everyone tries to to build rosters for no one wants to build rosters to keep having 30 win game seasons. No one wants to do that. The objective is to try and win eventually. So um, the Pelicans made an aggressive move and they're going for it. We made an aggressive move too, but with Beal out right now, it's just not feasible with Zion out for them. You know, it's, it's probably not feasible, but the plane is more attainable in the Western conference right now than it is the East. Um, let's see. Sacramento is, Five and a half games back. So I think that's kind of where we draw the line. I think the lowest that we could finish right now, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I think seventh is the lowest. Seventh or eighth is where we is the lowest we could finish before the lottery. Maybe you could get to like the ninth pick, you know, where, like, <laughs> oh, where the Blazers sit right now. Like I'm just looking at it on Tankathon. Like, Right now, we would if the draft was today and it stayed in the order based on win laws, we would pick twelfth. Right. So it's like, can you catch maybe the? Can you get the Blazers and get in the top ten? You know, because I, I don't, don't like you say, I don't see them catching the Knicks. Uh, the Kings, I thought was going to go on a little tear. They've kind of actually been about the same. Like, you know, Sabonis has has a few good games, but they're not really winning. <laughs> so. Uh, no. yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, they're they're definitely not catching the Kings or the Pacers or any team below that. So anyone that's rooting for us to tank to like a top five scenario, you're out of luck, pal. Um, in that regard, we have dug ourselves in a hole, if that's what you want to call it, by winning too much. Um, in terms of the play, so 
Atlanta won a game recently, but Charlotte keeps stinking it up. So right now we're only one back in the lost column of Charlotte, and then we're two back in the lost column of Atlanta. So how the play-in looks right now, seventh, you got Toronto, seven games back. You got Brooklyn, who is eight. Um, Charlotte and Atlanta are both ten and a half, and then we're twelve and a half. So we're only two games back still of nine, which and after the break we were a game out of nine, I think, right? Yeah. Yep. So worst case scenario here is we keep losing, but so do the Knicks, and we never get any lower in the East. Because finishing at eleventh right now is a, a real thing. Um, especially if we keep losing again. I just don't see how. I mean, the Knicks could jump us. Look, they could. Um, I I just don't see how right now. I don't think that Tibbs was the right man for the job. I laughed at it when he was hired. And um, I just don't think that it's paying off right now. Um, We've seen this with Tibbs' teams. He was great when he had Derrick Rose. When he didn't have Derrick Rose, things kind of fell apart. Go to Minnesota. Um, Now in New York, it just his teams just don't work out really. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the ninth seed is still attainable somehow. And, um, I still think that they can do it. I don't, who do we play next? We play Detroit, right? I think we have three home games coming up. I think we have Detroit. Is Orlando in there? We gotta see. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So we got the Hawks coming up soon again, but we do have three games in a row. Tomorrow we play the Pistons. Um, then on the fourth, we got the Hawks. And then on the sixth, we got the Pacers again. So if you wanted to try and work your way back up, this is a pretty good opportunity to do that again. I don't, I don't really have an expectation. Like, I'm not pro tank or pro play in. I'm just pro. Go out there and compete. And just don't embarrass yourself. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. Again, like people make fun of us all the time. And like our fans hate it because we're in no man's land. And I, I still kind of feel like that's where we are now. But we are closer to being a play-in team um, than we are like a, a top seven, eight draft pick. Yeah. yeah. It's just it, it's just sad reality. I mean, it is what it is. Like we... There's other teams that are worse than the Wizards. <laughs> that, you know, even without us having our two best players, there are teams that are worse than us that are, you know, in better positions for higher draft picks. And, and you know, I just want them to play the right way. Like, I, I don't care about win-loss right now. Like, this year is over with. Right. Like, I just right. I want to see the youngins do stuff that they need to get better at. Like, I want to see Denny dunk on some people. I want to see him make his threes. I want to see Rui be more aggressive, be smarter on his his defensive rotations. I want to see Kispert get some damn arc on his three ball. Um, that's what I want to see. Like that's all I really care about. Like we know what Kuzma, KCP, Ish, Neto, like we know what they are. We know what they're going to be for this team next year if if they're assuming all of them are back. Um, I want to see what the youngest can do. And I mean. The only ones who can do that for them, though, are themselves. I mean, we're we're counting on. I mean, Ish and Neto were two very unselfish players who who try to play the game the right way by getting guys involved. So I, 
at the end of the day, if if those guys aren't um, producing, and I know Rui hasn't really gotten the minutes, but in terms of Denny and Kispert, right now both those guys are getting over 30 minutes a game. If you guys can't find a way to contribute, I would say that that is on you. Um, it's also funny how, like, because we talked about the fans earlier complaining about roles, and it's like fans always complain about, like, our team too, and they act like we're the worst team ever. But, like, even going back to that, the, the, the COVID year, the bubble year, I mean, we've still been a competitive team. Like, we've been in the, the conversation, but, you know, you have injured. Like, again, this is what happens, though, when you lose your best player and then your second best player currently isn't available. And it's not their fault. Like, guys get hurt. That is what it is. But that's why we keep getting stuck in it, no man's land or purgatory, if that's what you want to call it, because we keep having injuries. And um, under Scott Brooks, we suffered from bad coaching. Who knows if Wes Unsell Jr. is a good coach? That's If there was one reason I wanted them to win right now, it would be for Wes's resume. Other than that, I don't really care what they do. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. But is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we get out of here? No, that's, that's, I think I, I think I've ran it enough here. Um, like I said, I, I hopefully we see some development with the with the young pieces, man. I want to see them come back. I want to see them add something to their game this summer. Um, that's what I want to see. Yeah, and you know, again. It, the only guys that are going to do that are themselves. This year is partially about them developing, and Tommy, I'm sure, will say as much. But really what they're trying to do right now is they're trying to find pieces that can contribute to a winning team. Because I bet I guarantee you next season their goal is to be a top-six team in the conference, and if they're relatively healthy, anything short of that will be considered a failure. So, again, like we, we keep complaining about them finishing in the play-in territory or lower. But they're trying to get there, and they're trying to put the pieces in place to do that. But they're not going to do that. Um, They're not going to get there by just keep throwing out the young players and saying, eh, we'll just let you go out there and just have fun with it. Like, you know, they're they're, they're trying to figure that stuff out now partially. So next year when your roles are defined and you find guys that fit, that's probably going to pay off a little bit more than just having the talent. So they'll be ready to rock and roll next year. Um. But I wanted to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. If you're not subscribed, make sure that you are. Leave us a five-star review and leave a comment if you have one. My DMs are always open. Uh, Feel free to tag me on Twitter and give me any suggestions or anything like that. But thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.